Hi, welcome to The Tech Entrepreneur, the podcast for business leaders, owners and investors. On today's episode, we're going to be talking to Richard Simpson, joint MD at Tayburn, which is a creative agency based in Edinburgh. We're going to be talking about the ups and downs of business, what it takes to get started and what it takes to succeed. I've got Richard Simpson on today from Tayburn. Uh, welcome to the podcast, oh. Richard. Yeah, it's a pleasure. No, yeah. You excited? Delight, delighted to be asked. Yeah, <laughs> I am excited actually. Yeah, 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 definitely. Good, you're good. Yeah. Well, I, I think what we're really looking for is just to hear a bit about your story. Yeah. You know, I, I, for, it sounds like it's a very um, maybe different one for most as um, directors of companies, how they, how they get to that point. Yeah. For, for a bit of um, research. Uh, and okay. before, before the show, uh, I went into a company's house to see who was involved <laughs> in the company. <laughs> I said, like, when did Tabor wow, start? I right, think it was okay. a long while ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a, it was a long while ago. Like, it'd be like one of those sort of encyclopedias of like paper, probably. Yeah, that's <laughs> I, nice. I didn't know it had pagination on that, yeah. but it does. It went up to like seven pages. Yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Well, that's quite an opener, actually, because uh, I think the date of incorporation is March 1979. Yeah. So if, if you go back that far, the original founders of the business were uh, two pretty well-known guys within the industry at that time, Vince Taylor, who, who I believe is still, still sort of going today, you know, he's, he's in his 80s and still very active. And then um, another gentleman, Richard Coburn. So the Tay and the Burn comes from Taylor and Coburn. Right, okay. That's how the name came to be about. Um, so actually, I met Vince few years ago for lunch just to sort of find out about it and um, they they created it their first client was uh, the organization that is today now known as Scottish Enterprise and uh, the marketing director of that organization at the time had some money to spend um, and it was one of these use it or lose it budget scenarios so he, he, he gave the he gave the sort of the, the, the money to, to Vince to say, right, you know, we need to do some activity. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of how, how sort of Tayburn was, was sort of born, basically. Wow. And then, I mean, the, the, the guy who deserves the most credit for it was, was Eric Davidson, because I'm, I'm not really sure of the timings here, but at some point in the 80s, Eric bought the business with another guy called Andrew Hunter. And um, there were various uh, third parties involved and including 3i, I believe, as well. Um, and um, I think, you, you know, one of the things that I'm eternally grateful for, Eric, is his foresight in creating a succession. Because it's weird, because, I mean, this, this series that you do is sort of, it's, it's entrepreneurship, and, yeah, yeah. and it's weird. I don't really see myself as an entrepreneur. In the way that, you know, you is, guys... Is this going to snuck up on you, do you think? Well, As I think you are. I mean, you, you kind of have to be what you're doing. Yeah, I mean, it's funny, but, it, but, it, but you know, for you and Phil, you went, right, we're going to start a business together. For Malk and I, it was different. We were kind of, we were employees mm-hmm. in the business. And, you know, we, we love the business and have loved our roles and, you know, have loved having the opportunity to buy in to mm-hmm. the business. But it's really through a, a sort of a, a, a collection of circumstances that we came to be the joint MDs and co-owners. Yeah, I was really interested to talk to you about that. Because I, 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 yeah. I, I, I understand it. Did you start with Tayburn as B, BDM? That's like? right, yeah. So it was a business development role. So that was probably about 2008 or something like that. I think 2008, 2009. Um, and Malk had been in the business a bit before then as well. So he was the creative director. I was the sort of sales director. And... Um, and probably around about, I sort of lose track of time, but around about sort of 2012, I got an opportunity to buy into the business. 
Um, he, Mark, had already been involved in a management buyout not long before I joined with some other guys, right, okay. which was part of the succession I'd been talking about with Eric. Right. So Eric had created the conditions for the guys, the, the senior team at that point, to buy out the business and take it on. Okay, so it was like a long-term plan that yeah. um, the person at the top there would have had an exit, but it wasn't to just sell it to someone else, it was for the, the, kind of, yeah. the senior people in the business to take it over in time. Exactly, and, and that, that's what I was saying earlier as well. I mean, Mark and I be eternally grateful to Eric for that opportunity, because um, he had the foresight to create the conditions for that. Mm. Um, it didn't quite work out in the way that perhaps he intended insofar as there were three other guys who all left the business for varying reasons. One retired, another changed direction, and um, uh, uh, another guy uh, left as, as well, um, which left Malk and I um, with the keys around about sort of 2015. So, so that, you know, that... Was there a point you just looked at each other and went, oh, this is all us now? Yeah, yeah, yeah there was. Yeah, there was. It was quite a hairy point as well because we'd, we'd decided, I mean, it, you know, if you, if you sort of look at the way that, I guess, the, the Marcoms industries been over the last 10 years at least, you've had this sort of rapid rate of pace and change fueled by digital technology, yeah. sort of media fragmentation. And I think when we got the business, we were sort of looking at the rapid growth of, you know, digital agencies, whatever, whatever they happen to be. Mm. But, you know, certainly search and design and build and I guess what's now today performance marketing and then, you know, embryonic days of social media. And, you know, at that point we were designing, you know, corporate identity and doing corporate communications and consumer brand packaging. And um, we did some websites, but it was very much an afterthought. It was like a bolt-on. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we, in hindsight, possibly had a little bit of unjustified insecurity about the um, the relevance or perceived relevance, mm. um, which is interesting given where we've got to today. Yeah. But it, it sort of felt that we needed to put some put in place some changes, and there were certain things like the, the sort of as far as corporate reporting was concerned, that market was was declining massively. You, you had clients buying print, you had obviously clients creating digital versions of their annual reports, um, which were effectively live websites. And so it was all moving in that direction. So that um, income stream was was declining, and actually it wasn't it, it wasn't where we necessarily wanted to be from a creative standpoint as well. So we um, we brought a chairman on board actually not long after Mark and I got the keys. Um, and he was a fantastic guy, a guy called Mike Reed. He'd been involved with Sapient Nitro. He was their UK and European MD, and so he'd been through their rapid growth. Um, through the, the sort of 2000s, early, early 2010 and so forth. And, um, you know, he was saying, he, he, he talked to us about deal flow. And he goes, you know, look at where the, where the, where, where the money is. And, and it, it's typically the, the advantage that we thought we had at the time was a knowledge of brand and then a developing an understanding around technology and bringing those two together, which effectively made us a design and build company, mm. a design and build agency. Wow. And so, so it sounds like the not the smoothest takeover in the world. You know, when that, when that happens, yeah. and you're not just having to step up and start running the company with your business partner, it's 
okay, we need to pivot, the whole market's changing. Totally. Things, that, things that were working two or three years ago are just not going to work now. Totally. So we had, we had a, I mean, it was a perfect storm. We, had, we, were, we were buying out directors and external shareholders. So our cash reserves, which had been massive, were coming down. Yeah. Um, we had pivoted, as you say, so our clients' income was fluctuating as we one new business in the new direction we were headed in, but then had to relinquish business that wasn't part of our future. And consequently, when you have that level of change, it can often lead to a level of uncertainty within the business as well. So you're dealing with uh, staff turnover mm -hmm. uh, as well. And, and rightly, you know, people saying, well, you know, this feels a bit uncomfortable. I'm gonna go somewhere else. And maybe that's more relatable to my skill set, or it's just not for me anymore. But then, you know, bringing in people that are part of the, the future, that gave us the opportunity to bring people in that were part of the future that we were headed in. So yeah, it was, it was quite a, quite <laughs> a roller coaster. I didn't choose this color of hair, you know, <laughs> this is the thing. It's, I think this is all from that point. It brings it on very quickly, right? Yeah, yeah, it does, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think that pivot in it, it, it doesn't really stop. Like, I, I'm always thinking about yeah. this. We'll get to this point where yeah. your revenue's good, team's happy, we're, we're building creative things, we're building really, for me, it's cool technology that I like to mm. use and, and I can see being used in the real world. Um, and then something comes out that blindsides you. Yeah. You know, on a Tuesday afternoon at two o'clock that you never think would, would come. Where's this, yeah, where's this come from? And I think I think that's it. It's that, that rate and pace of change is, is huge. And it's just it's kind of getting faster. And I think, you know, we, we and this is what's happened. So we, you know, from, from that period, from say 2015 to 2019, we, we transitioned and we did, you know, again, this was Mike's word, transition, which, I, which we liked because it wasn't transformation, which suggests it's a kind of, you know, a 180, because mm -hmm. it wasn't, it was, it was done incrementally over a period of time because we, we wanted to do it responsibly to not put the business any, into any, you know, unsustainable risk. Mm -hmm. and, and actually come 2019, we felt we were in a really good position and we were because we had, We'd had uh, four consecutive years of significant profit increase. Um, and actually we got the top line back into growth as well. And we were building our cash back up. We had the people in the business that we believed we needed to take it forward in long, terms of that direction. For that long-term vision, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And crucially, the big point was that we were winning net new business in that area as well. So big brands, Skyscanner, Scottish Rugby, um, and, and uh, we had some, some big uh, contracts as well, um, with the likes of Weir Group and so forth, at a, you know, a, a large corporate enterprise level, you could say. So, so it, felt, it felt really good. And then obviously, pandemic happens in, in 2020. And you're like, oh my goodness, right, what next? So it's quite interesting. In the time that we've had the business, we've been through, I mean, it was come off the back of the credit crisis. Yeah. We've had the, you know, independence referendum, Brexit, COVID pandemic, we're now at war, obviously, and, you know. <laughs> so I mean, it's like, what, what next, you know? Yeah. So, and I think that experiencing these, uh, these, these pretty, you know, pretty significant events, it gives you a sense of resilience. It gives you a sense of confidence that you can navigate the ship through through mm -hmm. anything, really. And do you have a support network around that, or ways you try and deal with it? Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, that in itself is a good point. So, I mean, Mike. So, we we you know again part of the changes that we put in place from kind of 2020 2021 onwards 
um, meant that actually we'd, we'd come to the end of, um, it was a sort of a, a natural um, evolution of our relationship with Mike. So, I mean, the guy had just been amazing for us. And I mean, he's still very much a, a mentor and a friend, but he stepped back as, as chairman on the basis that, you know, he, he, he knew this day would, was coming. Mm. Which we didn't when we when we started. Yeah. You know, it was really interesting. We we're like, right, okay, you know, we'll, 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 we'll do this forever. You know, you'll be <laughs> because well, no, guys, there'll come a point where you won't need me anymore. And 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 you know, obviously, so that that came up. But we we still have his counsel. Um, and I think over the years we've always had people involved in the business who've been, um, you know, extremely extremely helpful. And I mean, personally, I've always kind of. I guess, collected relationships as well. There's a number of individuals who've been very good to me in terms of the time they've given me and I've picked up a lot from them over the years. Um, but I think recently, I, you know, I started working with a, with a coach oh. just around, around sort of mindset and um, uh, belief. And, and um, yeah, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's almost a, a sort of a, a kind of a, a calming element to it as mm. well as... as um, as a, a sort of an advisory yeah, bit. He's, he's very much a coach as opposed to like an advisor. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I've got a, a similar sort of relationship. Strangely, with, with, with one of the board members. Right, okay. So, so um, at Clear Sky, we, we, joined, uh, we started a board maybe a couple of years ago. Yeah. Because we just realised that, you know, two tech guys start a, a, yeah. a, a software um, provider uh, type company. And uh, yeah, you're good at the software. You're good at the things that you've been good at in your yeah. career, but everything else is kind of yeah, new, it's and, new and strange. Yeah. And some things you find you're good at, in a, in, you know, you maybe got a talent for. Yeah. And other things you're just, you know, it's not for you. You need to get help with. But um, I ended up uh, bringing on um, a board member called uh, Tino Nombro. Yeah. Um, he was a, a big time marketing agency uh, yeah. type of guy. Um, and a lot of the time I spent with them initially was actually just going out for walks in Edinburgh. Yeah. Where he talked to me about the business. Yeah. He'd kind of make me. Um, set my mindset around what have we achieved so far because for yeah. me it's always like right next fire I've got to go and put it as this one he's like okay take a step back you know you've yeah, yeah. say you've doubled turnover in a year like 200 yeah. percent like this is beyond good levels of what you should be expecting you need to take a breath yeah. Yeah. whereas I'm always thinking around right well I need to hire a new team to do this sort of stuff and we're going to pivot and do mobile apps now because that's the market's changing yeah. lots of customers are looking for you know those type of things um, but sometimes it takes someone just a little bit external to, totally. To take your mind out of it and say, no, like, focus. Totally. Do what you know, sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. Well, it's funny, I know, because I, I know Tina well, and I mean, he's one of those individuals who's been incredibly good to me over the years as well. So we've never had a, a sort of a formal relationship as such, but we've always kept in touch. And he's always been very generous with his time. And it's exactly that thing. He's great. I, the thing I love about what he talks about is that energy, mm-hmm. energy source, and making sure that you do things that give you energy because if you're not showing up with that energy, then it shows. Mm. And frankly, the business suffers for it, uh, which I, th- I think is, 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 a, is a brilliant point. And very often, I think when you're in the position that we are, we don't necessarily give ourselves that permission mm. to, to maybe play nine holes of golf or yeah. go in the paddleboard, go for a run, I don't know, take the dog for a walk, just take that little bit of extra time that you need yeah. just to clear the head and to reset. Um, and I think I think that's a really important thing because if you don't do that, then actually longer term you can be inefficient. Yeah. Because the the stress or whatever it can be can can build up. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It's that energy you bring when you when you're on your game. Totally. The, the team yeah. the team kind of play off. Yeah. You know, and if you don't have it, they can sense it. Yeah. Um, 
you know, I, I do like a company all hands where I talk about yeah. what's happening in the company this month and what we're expecting to happen next month, kind of new initiatives and that sort of thing. And the team can tell if it's if, if I'm having a bad week or yeah. the company's having a bad time, they can see it like coming out of me. Not only do I get more grey, <laughs> I, I, I get more lines. I get what I, you know. Whereas if I, if it's a good if something good is happening, then yeah. I'm I'm really upbeat. But yeah, that, Tino actually gave me the exact same advice. Yeah. I, I was saying to him, look, I don't have time to take time out to go and just do something that you'll know, like, yeah. like, you know, go to the driving range or, yeah. uh, or go long walks. I've got to run the company and outside the company, I've got to look after my family. Yeah. He's like, Darren, if you don't find time for this, neither is going to work very well. So no, you, totally. you have to. So Totally, totally. And I mean, you know, I've, I've kind of had this from a, with a former colleague. There's a, there's a sort of prioritization where, you know, you've, you've, you've maybe got competing factors like family, you've got the business, and then you've got yourself. And, you, you know, nearly in all cases, it's yourself that is deprioritized in favor of the business of the family or the family and the business. Mm. And, and actually, you know, a lot, a lot of the work that he had done personally was to put that time back into himself mm. because if he shows up on form, then everyone benefits, yeah. family and business, business and family. Absolutely. So it's, it's a really interesting thing. And that, so the guy I've been working with is a guy called Rob Begg and and he's, he's very big on, on flow. So that point that you're making, when everything starts to feel like an effort and uh, your, your, your struggle is grind, it's graft, it's tough, people sense that. And if it's a bit sticky at the time as well, there's, you know, a desperation can come flooding in. It means you're possibly selling too hard to prospects. You're, you're possibly a bit edgy and not as confident in front of clients, colleagues. And so, so Rob, Rob's thing is, is about being in, in state and being in flow. And when you're in flow, you know, everything feels a lot easier and, and everything, everything comes as, as you want it to. So, so what happens if you're not in flow then? How, how do you get back to being in flow? Well, it, it, it's, it's about, it's about, I think it's about state. So it's choosing the, the state that you, you want to be. And it's remembering that about yourself. So, so you know, a couple of, couple of big breaths mm. and just, just centering that. So there's, there's, you know, there's, there's a few things. There's a sort of, there's a scientific side to it. And then there's a sort of, I guess there's a spiritual side to it as well. So the scientific side is you've got the vagus nerve that runs right the way through mm. your, um, uh, your, your body's mid nerve, all your organs are connected to it. It connects your gut through your heart to your pineal gland and your head, your brain. And um, that breath that settles that. And you go, you go from a, uh, a sympathetic state into a parasympathetic state and you become you become more chilled so that's the science but then from a spiritual state it's more it's more being it's it's just it's just settling into that um, conscious awareness of, of being mm-hmm. and when you can press that reset that then allows you to remind yourself of the state that you want to be in mm-hmm. which you know that could be wealthy successful businessman it could be Happy, loving family man. Yeah. And, and you, you may have a couple, two, three states that you choose to use to be in um, when you're in flow. Mm-hmm. And then very often a trigger will happen, bang, you know, you, f- you forget. It's like, I call it mistaken identity. Right, okay. And, and you, you, forget, you forget those, those truths. Yeah. And, and that's, that's very often how I reset is, is that sort of breath work or taking a walk or, you know, just being consciously aware of... of who I am, who I really am, mm. not this 
jangly, <laughs> jittery. Ah, <laughs> so but it happens. It's almost like a, you're resetting your compass, you know, back yeah. to your north star, how you want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, totally. It's something to try and talk to my kids about. You know, oh, okay, uh, interesting. They're, they're, yeah, both, yeah. they're both. They're, they're both um, yeah. I mean, they're both kind of young boys at six, and yeah. uh, he's maybe getting to the age where I can start to talk about that sort of thing. But yeah, even, yeah. even the kind of you know, and like you know, what 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 type of boys you want to be? Instead of just you know, getting them in trouble for whatever. It's like you know, do you, do you want to be someone that kind of listens yeah. and 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 learns things, or do you want to be someone that you know, is constantly getting in trouble? You know, what, what do you want to be? You can be anything you want. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I guess it's the same it's when amazing. you're an adult. You just forget it sometimes. Like, I think there was a part of lockdown. Yeah. Where. You know, having to work at home, run a company from home, while we were still growing and hiring people, mm-hmm. um, was t- was really stressful for me. Yeah. And then um, at the same time, family life was stressful as well because there was no there was no um, uh, you know, difference for me. I was in a room yeah. where I'd work. I'd open the door, or the door would be open for me. One of the kids coming in yeah. and trying to go between at home Darren to work Darren. And one of the, one of the things, one of my strengths in, in business and, and, and what I do is, is focus. Yeah. And I find that I have to be focusing. Yeah. almost exclusively on the thing I'm doing. So yes. you know, often my focus would be broken and yes. I'd react to that in like a negative way. Like, how dare you break my focus? I'm yeah, doing this sort of interesting, thing. Interesting. And, and it ends up you, you becoming kind of, you know, not a calm kind of person anymore. Yeah. And, and, and just having to recenter yourself and think, okay, everyone's trying to deal with this. Yeah, I mean, that's tough because how old are your kids? Uh, yeah, so, so, so the oldest is six now, yeah. the youngest is three. So. Yeah, so I mean, you know, that, that's, that's tough because they, they require... A degree of attention. I, mean, I think I was really lucky with the ages mine were at because when it first started, they were um, fourteen and fourteen and twelve, and now getting towards sixteen and fourteen. So they didn't have exams and all the stresses and strains around that. Equally, they were old enough to fend for themselves to, to a degree. So we didn't have the same sort of homeschooling challenges and you know attention requirements that yeah. um, parents of younger kids had or indeed you know that you know battling with the stuff that some of the older um, kids had such as you know fear and anxiety around exams and just having that those rites of passage taken off and the stuff that we got to do like mm-hmm. you know um, going out and, and getting pissed and stuff yeah. and freshers week and all that sort of good stuff yeah. that you couldn't do. Freshers week turned into three years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. the less said about that the better as far as I'm concerned uh, for me personally but um, yeah, so it, so it, 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 I think it, I think that's hard to do, mm. but that's where if if you are aware of those states that you want to have, you know, successful businessman, loving family man, yeah. the opportunity to flip between the two. I'm not saying it's easy, but that that you know, just taking that reset. So when you know that that focus, that attention, the focus is broken and the attention is required to change, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you can reset and adopt that state, and then. When that's settled, you know, re-embody the state that you are in. Yeah, making, for work. Con- making the conscious effort. Yeah, making it exactly yeah. conscious awareness, conscious. Yeah, so yeah. Okay. Okay. Nice. Um, yeah. So uh, so yes, yeah, so, you know, we talked about there about the kind of COVID stuff. Um, what else was I could talk about? I, 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 it'd be good to talk about about Tabor and what you do and why you do it. That sort okay. Of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Um, yeah. 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 So so your joint managing director at Tabor. And, what does that involve? What does a what does a day in the life look for wow, look for okay. you? Yeah, so I mean it it it's a it's it's changed a bit over recent years, and again I sort of identify with what you'd said earlier about um, when you find yourself in the position of owning and running a business, you become aware of perhaps gaps in your skill set, 
um, and it's probably experience-based. So you move from being a practitioner into being a, like a leader, I guess. And, and, and so for, for me, that, that journey from being the sales guy effectively meant taking on more commercial responsibilities and uh, more responsibilities for people and, and culture. Um, and also client relationships as well, which is something historically I'd never had. Um, the beauty, I mean, again, it'd be interesting to, to get your perspective on how you guys work, you and Phil, but, um, you know, it's funny when we both took on the sort of joint MD role and the co-owner role. I mean, there had been, for, for various reasons, sort of um, inequality across the former Tabern board as a result of, you know, longevity in the business and position and so forth. And so for Malk and I, what was important from the outset was to have complete um, equality between us. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Compensation and, you know, you know just, just, you know, all, everything yeah. that you'd imagine. And the beauty of that is that it's sort of, it, it, it's meant that, you know, we're, we're very, we're quite different people from a personality perspective, but we're incredibly aligned in terms of our outlook and <clears throat> what we want from the business. So the way we typically have split it is that he, because he's been more um, client focused, he's got a great overview in terms of operational delivery. Mm -hmm. um, and because I've been more sales focused, I'm more around the outwards face of the business um, in terms of, you know, sort of profile and, and new relationships. Um, and of course, you know, he has some selling responsibilities and of course I've got some client responsibilities. But the great thing is that over the last sort of five or six years that we've been in this role, you know, we, we started to learn kind of where our sort of toes stick out and where not to sort of tread. Um, <laughs> but then also, you know, we, we've also been very good at sharing responsibilities around the commercial and the, the people mm -hmm. aspects as well. So, um, you know, we, we, we make those decisions together. So I guess, you know, for me, it was initially learning to take on these responsibilities. Mm -hmm. And then not long after we pivoted again during the, the pandemic, um, we, we wanted to, to be a bit, a bit more, a, a, bit, a bit leaner, um, more responsive, um, more hands-on, I guess, with clients. So I found myself uh, actually, in some cases, you know, project managing, doing a bit of planning, and <laughs> is that something uh, you've done before? Managing, sort of, but not not really. Um, and it was okay in some cases, but it just meant that we were both incredibly busy. We were almost, you know, because changes that we made, we had senior people come into the business as well. Um, Fiona, Pr Fiona Proudler joined us, she's ex-Realize. Um, and, you know, we, we were almost adopting a kind of eat what you kill model. Okay. Uh, and like they, they have in professional services where you go out, you win a client, and then you, you deliver the client yeah. work as well. We found that actually it just got overwhelmingly busy being so hands-on with client delivery meant that we weren't doing enough net new business. Mm. And because of the change that we'd 
put in place in the business. So in 2019, when we were design and build, you know, one of our goals was to make the business have more sustainable recurring and profitable revenue. As it transpired, actually, it wasn't particularly profitable, which is why we decided to exit out of development. Um, <laughs> Who did that, right? Well, exactly. <laughs> and also the fact, we, you know, I mean, it's not the background that Mark and I have. We're from a creative and, back, and, a, and a brand mm. background. So, so actually it makes sense, you know, it's, it's that Warren Buffett line, you know, will you ever invest in things that you understand, yeah. you know. So. Lean, lean, to, lean into what you're good at. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So there, so there was an element of that. Anyway, so, so coming back to, to, the, to the role, um, first six months of last year, well, this year, that's coming to an end, we're March year end, stellar performance, absolutely smashed it out of the park. Um, income growth, profit growth, and um, lots of new client wins. Um, and I got really busy delivering them. And actually, so come Q3, that slowed because we didn't have the net new business coming in. Mm-hmm. And quite a lot of the work that we'd won was project-based, where in the past it had been recurring. And that's the beauty in some ways of technology mm-hmm. because you've got the build fee, obviously, but then you've got support, hosting, maintenance, feature development, yeah. and, and the possibility of retained income. Mm-hmm. So where we are now, yes, we do some rebrands and we do some campaigns. So the opportunity for us is to have the campaign side of things more, more recurring, mm-hmm. have more retained income that way, yeah. um, or indeed consultancy as well. Um, I've seen that being very valuable, having that yeah. sort of consultancy more on tap. You know, for businesses like mine, yeah. we've got like an opposite problem mm-hmm. for you. We're all about the kind of implementation, neither Phil or myself are, are salespeople, although we do a lot of that these days. Yeah. Um, but some of the some of the, the the areas I've struggled in the most is bringing in senior hires of areas that I'm not strong in. Yes. You know, like marketing that, yes. and brand and all that sort of thing. Yes. Where it, it seems like a bit of a black art to me, as I'm sure technology is to a lot of people as well. Totally. Um, so totally. I could see that kind of some sort of retainer consultancy could work for a lot of businesses that are coming up now. M- m- massively, and and I think um, Fiona, Fiona speaks incredibly intelligently about this actually, which is is. Uh, you know, there's lots of different ways in which you can do things, particularly if you're a client as well. So, you know, you can obviously have everything in-house, you can have everything outsourced, or you can have a sort of a hybrid. And I think the agency landscape as well has changed pretty dramatically because you've got encroachment from the big consultancies that are coming in, the Deloitte's and Accenture's, that compete with the Sapient's and the Kinnan Carter's at that level. Mm-hmm. But then from a technology perspective, you've got I guess a, a commoditization occurring with the Squarespace and Wix and WordPress and actually moving to, to work more with those platforms has been great for us through partners um, or actually, you know, with Wix and Squarespace, just designing in browser for, you know, a, a site at a particular level. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's been brilliant. Um, and then you've got, uh, you know, I guess associate models as well, where you've got consultants coming in, bringing in their partners. So. The thing that, that we're working with now is we've got uh, really strong capability around brand, creativity, campaigns, content. Um, and and that, that's, that's internally, but then we have a network of, of strong partners in particular areas. Whereas in the past, I think agencies would have gone wrong by trying to hire in these positions. And these positions may not necessarily have um, high level of billable utilization, which means that mm-hmm. they're only busy 50% of the time, the other 50% they're gazing out the window, which 
you know, impacts profitability. Mm. So actually having that leader team uh, massively increases the profitability. It means that we're focused on a, a really valuable area, which is insight-led, strategic insight-led creativity, mm. which means that we can work very well with other people in, in, in other areas, mm. whether it's um, UX or um, technology or PR or performance marketing or, mm. or whatever. It, it makes so much sense, right? I, I think yeah. that's, that's something I've found is you know, being a supplier in business and also being like a, a customer of, 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 other, of other suppliers that a lot of the time I just need a bit of someone. Yeah. You know, I don't need a whole SEO person, I need a bit of an SEO person and maybe a bit of someone to tell what the yeah. SEO person want to do. Definitely. So that'd be like, make the SEO better. Just yeah. Whatever, yeah. whatever that means to you. Yeah. If you yeah. can do that, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> with ClearSky, we find exactly the same thing. We'll, we'll go yeah. in where people mm -hmm. maybe hire two developers uh, internally in their own companies and expect them to create a, like, a commercial level platform yeah. from scratch. That, yeah. And that, that just doesn't happen. You need designers, you need testers, you need architects. Totally. And that's where we come in with our team so that so our clients get a bit of everyone they need yes. to deliver that commercial level platform. Brilliant model. But I imagine it's exactly the same what you do. Yeah, it, it's it's similar. I mean, we're perhaps not quite as embedded in this. Well, it depends. I mean, on the consultancy side of things, and yeah, individuals can be more embedded within the client. But um, you know, from a creative standpoint, it, it, it tends to be more more of that conventional relationship. Um, but it, it it feels way more collaborative than it used to be. I think you know when I first started. There was a lot of deference around the client, you know, the client, you know, was sort of almost held in a pedestal. And that's not to say that that isn't the case now from a service perspective, um, because we absolutely, and again, this is one of Fiona's lines, we have to absolutely earn the right to be at the client's table. Yeah. And we have to go that extra mile and we have to prove that we have to, we're good enough to be there because there's so much competition as discussed. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it, it needs to be, and it sounds a bit cliche, but it needs to be way more of a partnership and collaborative because we're there together, working together to solve problems. Actually, our best relationships are those situations where we, we genuinely feel, again, cliched line, but an extension of the client's team. Yeah, that's so important. Correct. Totally. Correct. And, and even the way you um, plan out your team structure. Yes. For us, that took a couple of years to get to. Because you know, yeah. Phil, Phil and I would be going out one and work bring it into the team's overseen implementation, then go back to the work to the client. Yeah. And that's, it becomes very kind of transactional, like, okay, that's just the way yes. it happens. But then um, in my head, we, we were like, okay, we need more operational staff. So we brought in people like project managers and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, it turns out project managers, at least in my experience, aren't good at kind of client relationship side of things. Okay. It's like a different skill set. Yeah. You know, for, for me, a project manager is all about organization, yeah. team delivering on time, at, at quality. Yeah. Um, but a question came up maybe about a year ago when I was on a call, you know, something had gone wrong. I was on a call with the senior people at Oral Mall and, I, and I, had, I said, you know, whose responsibility is it of how the client feels? Yeah. And everyone just looked around. Wow. I was like, we're a service-based company. <clears throat> yeah. It's everyone's responsibility, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. It, it, it took us a while to realize. And, but now moving on, we've restructured where we've got a really kind of senior head of client services now. Yes. And yeah. Phil and I do sales. Previously, we brought people to do sales, but it turns out, yeah. Do sales as well as Phil and I for Clear Sky because yeah. it, it kind of yeah. goes through our blood and our passion. Yes. Really comes yeah, out. definitely. Um, but that's made such a such a difference. Yes. Like onboarding new clients now with a proper kind of client services team in place and yes. structures, 
we're getting our best feedback we've ever had in Holy Clear Sky. That's amazing. Um, but it took us a long time to work out that was a missing key. Although Tino told me early on that was a missing key. I was like, <laughs> yeah, Tino, this yeah. is not a marketing yeah. well, it's, it's funny, isn't it? I know sometimes you've, you've got to, yeah, I mean, there's all these sort of lines that you hear in business, particularly when you start out. And it's only when you experience the hardship or the challenge <laughs> that you fully understand the true meaning of where that expression came to be. Yeah. And, uh, you know, customer is king, you know, you know, sort of uh, cash is king, all these, all these things, you know, and, and it's only when you start to see, you know, cash flow challenges or, or customer challenges that you, you then you're like, right, okay, I, I now get why people <laughs> say that all the time. That's a cliche, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is, I mean, they're so cliche, but they're, but they're just so, they're so true. But I think, yeah, I think that's, I think that's a really interesting observation. I mean, it, again, um, Getting the right mix of people takes takes time, and and I think you know as as we as we build uh, income and sustainable income and maintain margin, we can then be clearer on the areas of the business that we want to invest in. So it's almost like having a list of kind of who your next hires are likely to be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so you you can start sort of planning our a wish list almost, um, and, and I think that that's a, that's a certainly something we're we're in at the moment is is just looking at the shape of the, the business and seeing right okay where where are we going to add to, and what what does that time frame look like, and what needs to happen in order for us to be able to to do that. And what's what's the process um, for for Tabor for hiring new talent? Do, do, have you got yeah. what, have you got part of those responsibilities? Like, yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely. I mean, I think. I mean, fundamentally, without being so <laughs> pithy about it, Malcolm and I've got this belief that you've got to be good and nice, right? Yeah. So it's just that, sort of that Venn diagram, you know, good and then nice and right in the middle, <laughs> and and it's born out of working with people that aren't, mm. right? Yeah. <laughs> they, they're either they're either very very good, but they're they're not very nice. They're they're I don't know if you can swear here, but they're sort of yeah, it's sort of no dickheads, you know, yeah. like no dickheads, you know, and and unfortunately, I've just worked with too many dickheads, you know. Yeah. So so you have to be you have to be good, yeah. Um, but yeah, you have to be nice, and then consequently, the the the, the flip side of that is true that you, you can be the loveliest person of the world, but if you're not very good, ultimately, it's just going to be very difficult. Yeah. Yeah, underperforming, right? Yeah. It's, it's hard for everyone. Absolutely. So, so, uh, and, and don't, don't get me wrong, I mean, I've sort of worked with some dickheads. I've, I've worked, I mean, generally speaking, I've worked with lovely, lovely I'm people. Sure. <laughs> no, I mean, I, you know, I genuinely have lovely, lovely people and, and, and really enjoyed it. But, but it, you know, what we found is that, that you have to be, you have to be good at what you do and you've got to be, you've got to be good to work with, nice to work with. And that, that's the sort of basis of it. Fundamentally, the interview process is, it's pretty flawed. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you, you don't really get a sense of whether someone can perform in the job until you see them actually performing in the job. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I guess we, 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 we start with, you know, looking at CVs and trying to get a feel for experience and background. And then if we feel that they've got the right experience and background, then, you know, we'll meet them and chat to them and try and get a feel for that sort of experience and there's a few sort of watch outs as well like the sort of the accountability thing is my biggest one you know if you know if you ask someone about a situation where it went wrong and if all you hear is kind of 
blame and you know it wasn't my fault mm. and I'm amazing then you know massive red flag and it does <laughs> happen um, but again you know it, it, there's, there's no there's no substitute for just having them come into the business and start working and um, you know if, if if they if they perform brilliantly that's that's fantastic that's what we want and that's why you have three month probationary periods in place yeah. so that if it's not working you can make that decision pretty pretty quickly yeah. um, and I think it you know it boils down to, to to sort of just yeah just 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 belief at the end of the day and 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 if, if you like the person I mean I know it's, it doesn't sound particularly scientific <laughs> yeah right sometimes it's a, well you know human beings hundreds of thousands of years have had these kind of face-to-face relationship totally and you, you've got a gut feel yeah, you know, a lot of times I went against it. When I went against my gut feel, it's not went well. Yeah. Sometimes I went with it, and it's not went well as well. So maybe there's not too yeah. much of a pattern. But have you ever found yourself with a, maybe a recruitment agent or having to give feedback? And for me, I couldn't actually um, articulate why I wasn't taking the person forward. I was more along the lines of, yeah, I've got a gut feeling about this. I think it might be about communication, or maybe an answer wasn't good around. I like to ask ask about what was the biggest achievement you've had in yeah. your career. Yeah, yeah. Because if they really have achieved something, they'll know like the finite details. Yeah. But if you were just achieve something because you were kind of um, attached to a more successful team, yeah, then you won't know the details. And, and a lot of the time, it kind of throws me off that type of question. But. Yeah, I mean, I think, but I, I think you know, all, all feedback is as generally what we've 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 tried to be as objective as 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 possible. Um, and I mean, I, I'll always try and have that direct conversation as well. We try not to use recruitment consultants. Not that I've got anything about recruitment consultants, but we've got a really good network. I mean, the benefit of being in business for over 40 years and with the senior people that we have in the company, with all the relationships that we have, we can usually find the people that we that we want. Mm. Um, so I don't necessarily see a need for it, in which case that allows us to have that direct conversation with them where you get more of a feel. You're not getting sold someone mm-hmm. um, equally you're not entrusting that message to be passed on, you know, and and, and it not necessarily to be translated in the way that you intended. Mm. So it, it's it's much better, I find, just to just to, to, to go go direct to the to the candidate in question. And in that case, yeah, it's really interesting what you say about gut feel. I mean, um, you know, the, the, those with a more scientific persuasion. Um, uh, is it, I always get mixed up between left brain and right brain. I think is it the right brain, <laughs> the, 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 the scientists. Um, you know they'll they'll want facts and information and logic and reason. I I don't necessarily believe in that. I I, I believe in in um, yeah gut feel, intuition, flow. Mm. Um, because you know if, if if I see the the. The direction that we're wanting to go in, and and you know it feels right. You know we talk about I mean, that's one thing Mark talks a lot about is things feeling feeling right. If it feels right, then yeah, let's let's go for it, mm-hmm. and and trust trust that intuition, that gut, um, because you'll you'll find a way to make it work. Yeah, and a lot of times it comes back to you anyway, right? Like if I'm making a hire, it's probably to replace something I was doing really totally. badly at the time. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, I, well, I think that's an amazing point. I mean, you, you know, every mistake that we've made in the business, we are 100% accountable for that because we're the people that make the decision ultimately. So whether we've devolved that decision to someone else who's made a bad decision 
ultimately the buck stops with us yeah. because it was our decision to empower them to make a decision they weren't capable of making. <laughs> and it, but it is, it's that, it's that sort of you know, ruthless accountability, whatever they call it, you know. Yeah. But, it, but it, is, it is that and, and you've got to be, you've just got to be honest about it. And, and know that that you know that's the, the joy of the position of ownership is that you can you get to make the decisions. Yeah. But equally, the, the challenge of that is that you you, know, you can make <laughs> make bad decisions and you're accountable for them. And, it, and everything um, comes back to you. Absolutely, yeah, everything. Absolutely. It's a heavy current aware sometimes. Totally. Occasionally, yeah. business partner uh, Phil and I. Uh, we'll be you'll be having a conversation of like you know it's my fault all this and like yeah. no it's my fault I've done this stuff yeah, like, yeah, 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 totally. I, yeah, yeah. I guess it's jointly our fault that this happened <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. yeah yeah it's a sort of yeah what's that a kind of like an acceptance off you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm interested to find out more about your relationship with your with, with the, yeah. your, your, your the other joint MD with Malcolm yeah with Malcolm. yeah yeah, um, yeah totally yeah yeah so yeah. so did you, did you both work together in day before yeah. and then stepped up in that position yeah so actually it's funny Ma I mean Malcolm interviewed me actually <laughs> <laughs> I mean I mean more I mean it was more there was another guy we had a third business partner who left and it was more I had the relationship with him that saw me come in but I wanted to meet the other guys as well so. You know, Mark Malkin was creative director at the time and they'd just done the, the MBO and so we met and got like a house on fire when we first met. And then we we worked together, um, you, you know, just probably, well, that was 2008. So, yeah, until 2014, um, you know, he was very much sort of creative director, board director. I was in the sales sort of thing. So I tended to work more with the MD at the time. Mm -hmm. um, so we didn't have a, a massive amount to do with each other. More, it was more whenever pitching would occur, um, and then latterly it was us uh, when I got when I joined the board. Then we we um, we started to to work more together. Then um, when there was five of us really on the board at Tabern at the time, and um, and yeah, that that sort of. You know, I mean, we, we were, I guess, we were both very focused on our particular areas. For him, it was about creativity, creative reputation, creative team. For me, it was about selling. It was about new clients, new business, sales. And, and, and very often, I guess, you know, we were probably too focused on our own areas. Mm -hmm. um, certainly I was, to necessarily see the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, was there a point when the buyout was going to happen, that you knew it was just going to be the two of you. And did well, you, no, have, that, we, like, we, did we, you we, have like a, a meal out and decide to have a court, like everyone on the table, what's going to happen here? Well, or? it was more, yeah, I mean, it was, it was more because of the circumstances. So, so we'd, we'd, we'd changed direction in, in the company, as I said, and um, that meant that one director wanted to, he, you know, it was some sort of mutual decision for him to, to leave because it, it wasn't, aligned to his skill set and his areas of interest. So he went off to go and do something else. And then our FD, um, he was going to retire. So uh, that was always planned. So that's what he did. So it was going to be the three of us that were going to sort of take it on. And then um, uh, it, it ended up just being the two of us. And, and that sort of happened, um, you know, completely by accident. And so, you know, as I said, it sort of coincided with being a bit of a perfect storm of, mm. you know, changing direction and income and cash and clients and colleagues, all being all this upheaval. So, to be honest, we were just holding on for dear life, <laughs> and it wasn't until we'd sort of come out of it that we were like, 
Right. I think we need to start, you know, and, and this is where we, we became more, um, you know, we, we, we created defined responsibilities. Mm -hmm. I mean, we kind of been working that way. We'd kind of, again, it's, it, you know, in some ways it was probably flow mm -hmm. as a result of the situation. We found ourselves falling into these natural positions that worked for us because of our skill set, but crucially worked for the business. Um, and then that was the decision, of course, to bring, in, bring on board Mike and, and in, that, in that chairman position. Mm -hmm. um, so he would very much sit as a sort of slightly fatherly, more fatherly father, slightly fatherly figure. Just the voice of experience yeah. as we were sort of still getting to grips with, with the new role. And so, I can yeah. imagine that. I, I, yeah, we want to pivot the business. You know, we want to lose things that aren't working and, and take on new things that we think might work. And, yeah. But, but, but I'll tell you one thing, um, adversity and challenge breeds a, a closeness. Yeah, a bond, right? Oh, and, and that's the thing, and, and that, that, that will never change. So, I mean, yeah, we're unbelievably close as a result of those experiences. And mm -hmm. so, um, yeah, we may, we may have um, sort of slightly different personalities and, and, and approaches, but, but that that bond of having weathered that storm and put the company into position of strength, yeah. you know, has, has unified us. Yeah. Um, we'll always have that. And it's, it's a really cool thing, actually. Yeah, I, I, I totally understand what you're saying. So I, I've, yeah. got, I've got a very similar story. Right, okay, okay. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. my yeah. business partner, Phil Telfer, yeah. he hired me into Spark. Is that right? I yeah. didn't know that, right, okay. Yeah. So he, Phil was yeah. starting a satellite office for yeah. Spark Energy at the time, because they, yeah. they, they couldn't really hire in the borders, they'd run out of like a, a, a pool yeah. that they could hire from. Uh, so Phil took upon himself to start an Edinburgh satellite development office. And I was like his third hire in his office. Wow. Uh, back in kind of 2011, 2012, something like that. Yeah, okay. Um, so he brought me in and then we worked together there. We built some really, really good tech. Things are really difficult. Like I, I bet like you say, in stressful situation that yeah. you form bonds, like we were building an energy billing and metering system. Wow which is very difficult to do. Not many people have done it, but we did it with a small team, like five people. Sounds uh, mind-bogglingly yeah. complicated. Well, the so. thing about energy doesn't have yeah. a, a fixed cost. Like that costs maybe five pounds. Okay. Your energy depends on what tariff you're on, what time of day you used it, how much you used. This is a four smart meter, so you didn't really know how much you used it, all last Anyway, wow. super complex stuff we're working yeah, yeah, on, yeah. but really, you know, we delivered it in a couple of years, but that formed a bond between Phil and I. Yeah. And then um, we, we delivered other things like digital transformation. We built mobile apps for that company. And we ended up with a team in Edinburgh, about 30 people. Oh, wow. Um, but we were only solving problems for Spark at the time. Yes. But we were like, look, the thing we really love is solving business problems. Yeah, yeah. We yeah. could just do this, right? Yeah. I remember walking around Prince Street Gardens with Phil, because I was, I was either going to leave or we're going to do this. Yeah. And I think we we're both thinking the same thing. I'm like, look, just, we can do this. We're, we're good at it. We know we're good at it. We've got good connections. The business stuff will work out. Yeah. And then it all, it all kicked up from there. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. that bonds, it's, um, it, it's, got, it's only gone stronger over time. And, and that trust, like we do, we do the 50-50 thing, like 50-50, yes. absolutely everything, even like smaller yes. things, just automatically 50-50. Totally, um, totally. And just, it's bred so much trust and, yeah. and support. Like, cause you know, when you're having a bad day, yeah. you need someone like a peer and sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. for us, there's only like one peer in the business really yeah, yeah. that can say, it's all right, I've got you. This is fine, I can help you with this. Yeah. And that was, Clear Sky wouldn't be anywhere near where it is now without. It's but. interesting. I was going to ask you, yeah, how, how yeah, because because I've seen, I've seen various. Um, it, it's probably more kind of creative agency side of things, but um, I've, I've I've seen there's a couple of guys, Blair Ends and David Baker, who do a podcast called Two Bobs, and they do quite a lot of that sort of 
agency principal ownership dynamic. And I can't remember what the exact stats are, but you've got this, you know, so grass is always greener scenario where, you know, principal's on their own, the sole, you know, the, 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 the sort of sole shareholder in an agency, you know, wishes they had the business partner. Yeah. And then, and then the inverse is true that the, you know, the, the, the joint owned agency with the two principals wish that they didn't have a business partner. <laughs> you know? So, so I'm, I'm sort of, I'm slightly butchering this a little bit, but, yeah. but that, that definitely isn't the case because yeah. I could not imagined I don't think we'd still be. I don't think I'd still be here if if, uh, if, if I'd been doing that with Tabor on yeah. my own. Yeah. No, no yeah. way. Absolutely. The, the no amount way. of crazy decisions I would have actually made <laughs> instead of just like no, smoking it was, I mean, yeah. <laughs> and it was great just just to know that you've you've got your mate there who's you know in in it with you and um, you know both rooting for each other and the business to do the right thing, you know. Yeah. And that, that that's back to that, that bond thing that comes off the back of that, I think. So, it's, yeah, it's funny. <laughs> and, and it's great Gosh. enjoying the good times with someone, but also yeah, yeah. those days where, you know, things just go upside down, like, really quickly in business yeah. that you don't see coming, that you've got someone there just to, like, okay, let's centre ourselves. Yeah. What do we know as a, as a fact? What might the future look like? And, you know, how are we going to take it on rather than just... Yeah. I couldn't even imagine doing it on your own. Well, it, well, it's made. I mean, and it's 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 sort of made the, the the good stuff all the all the more in, in, enjoyable. And I think again, this is an interesting point. You know, picking up slight point around what Tina was saying around energy as well. It's giving ourselves permission to celebrate those successes and 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 mark them. So when we became debt free, um, 29th September 20, uh, 2018, right. um, You know, we we are went out for dinner with with Mike and and um, you know that that was sort of marked that that occasion because that was a significant milestone as far as Malk and I were concerned and you know there'd been other things you know big big wins you know you know big contractual wins and um, you know uh, good hires and you know Ricky our creative director joining the business you know that was fantastic you know so it's just making sure that you mark these occasions mm. um, and and sort of in, enjoy them yeah shared experiences of the good times as well totally yeah, yeah, yeah. totally yeah it's because i mean it's sort of what's the point otherwise if you're just constantly on that hamster wheel yeah <laughs> yeah oh, there's a wheel it's not a mountain like you don't get to, you, you don't ever get to the top or maybe you do and then you retire yeah. i don't know but it, well, doesn't, it doesn't feel like it a lot it's a funny one yeah i don't know my so my I mean, technically my boss's boss but he, he sort of felt like a boss to me this guy called jonathan sands so he he had elmwood um, which he actually sold um, not that long ago, um, and he always had, he had this line about there is no finish line in business, mm. um, and it's true you're on this con- continual race, but the, the, there's no sort of end to it. Um, I wonder I wonder if he still thinks that now. I mean I think he's done very well out of his his, uh, his sale, mm. um, but he's deserved it because he built a fantastic business. I think I think that's other challenges after that though, right? Like I, I totally. don't know what I'd yeah. happen to. Like it sounds great, like for a week, you know, cottages <laughs> on the beach, and like, just chill out. But I know, but I know. Like, you know, for for me, it may be the same for you in, in the position that having a purpose and and a focus in your career, I can't I can't imagine what it's like when that's done. It's a bit like Olympic athletes. Yeah. Once they get the gold and come home, you know, they, they have you know a lot of them have kind of depression and that sort of thing after the fact, but. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a funny one. I mean, I, I know that I'd like to do something different mm. at some point. I'm not ready to do it now because, we, we, you know, we're, we're just sort of betting in these changes and seeing successes off the back of that. And there's, there's too much good stuff that, that sort of lies ahead. But I do know that when I'm still relatively young, 
um, it would be it would be good to try something else. Whether that is, you know, coaching, advising, mentoring mm. uh, people who have been in similar roles and allowing them or enabling them not to make the mistakes that I made, <laughs> um, that would be pretty cool. But it, you know, it could be something completely, completely different as well. Yeah. Um, but but I think to your point, it would, it would need to be something. Yeah. Because I would I would yeah I'd get a bit yeah. bored. I think. Yeah. It's good. It's very good. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. Good. It's it, good. It feel, hopefully, it's quite conversational. It feels. Yeah. It it's feels. Really yeah. Can't yeah. believe we've got so much in common either. Oh, totally. I know. It's so strange. I I don't know what it's like on the other side of being hiring your business partner back in the day and then coming up together. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't think Mark, I don't think you know Mark doesn't. I don't think he'll see it quite the same way. Like you know, I remember. I remember meeting him as part of the interview process yeah. as opposed to him absolutely interviewing me. It was more Simon yeah. who interviewed me. Um, but yeah, it's an interesting, it's an interesting memory. Actually. I remember it very, I remember it very clearly. Uh, the other thing about, because when we were at Kittle Yards, um, I sort of, because Tapin's been around for a long time and had a great reputation. I'd been working at Elmwood and, you know, the the, the, the big, Design agencies at that time were were navy blue and graphic partners and and Tabern, and um, and and Tabern, uh, I sort of you know revered actually, and I knew where they were. Well, I, I sorry, I knew they were over in in Causeway Side, but what I hadn't realised is that Kittle Yard sits behind uh, Causeway Side, the tenement flats, mm-hmm. and I remember getting there and going, you know, sort of ten minutes before my interview. Going, where is this place? And I walked up and down Kittley. I was going, shit, where is it? And then I got to the point where I was actually late. Um, Fucking oh, no. hell, I just, no one that says, where is it? And then there's just, there was a wee vinyl just by the Tesco Metro that you went through Obviously. and then it opened up into this kind of business park and then there it was there. So it was just that sort of, yeah, God, yeah. Before, before Google Maps functionality was quite what it is today. I don't know how people got around. Like I, I, well, I, I talked to my dad and he's like, oh, would you, you, someone would show you where to get, how to get to somewhere and then you just remember and drive that way. I'm like, what? But- oh, man, <laughs> I know, it's crazy. Well, when I, I mean, when I was a traveling salesman, it was like, um, what was it? Was it, it was a map. <laughs> it was like map.co.uk or something like that. <laughs> and I used to go onto it and then I used to print them out. I remember that. Was, and it, then, not, was it not AA had something like that? No, I it was, it was no, it was, it was, it was a it was a map. It was like a map website, <laughs> and uh, and then so you you'd punch in the postcode, and then and then it would produce the grid, and then you'd be like, right, okay, so I know where that is. Print, and then I'd just <laughs> have these sheets of A4 on the passenger seat, and you'd be driving along at Junction 16. All right, <laughs> <but, yeah. laughs> I remember that page one of three. Yeah. 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 Page three of three. Where's the other page? <laughs> uh, I think you say it's funny, and, and but now you know nowadays it's literally you just following the following the dot and uh, Google Maps. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, okay, uh, I, I guess what, one of the things I was I was going to do a, you know a nice smooth intro for you in the yeah. podcast, which I didn't end up doing, but I'll maybe do it. Um, I think growth in sales and yeah. agencies is, is something that is so, so difficult. You know, and I don't know if it's because my, my background is more implementation side of things, um, but you've got that on your shoulders for a, a, a renowned agency that's been going on a long, long time. 
is that just something you were drawn to? Is that just something you always wanted to be? You always wanted want to do sales, do pitch in one business? Or? Yeah, okay, so yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it is. I mean, so, so my, I mean, interestingly enough, it's funny, I go back and uh, I found a, I found something just during lockdown. Uh, it, was a, it was a program for a rugby match that I played in and it was, they had player profiles and, and it had uh, what I wanted to do when I was older. Right. And it was to, to run an I wanted to run an advertising agency. Oh wow! And I was like, bloody hell, I don't remember that. I was like, God, I sort of, sort of from the age of sixteen, I clearly knew that I wanted to sort of work notionally in in this area. And although it wasn't quite advertising then, it was more design um, uh, that I you know I cut my teeth in. Uh, yeah, it was interesting because I, I I found it quite hard to get a job after I graduated in in an agency. And so I ended up going down to London and working for the independent news and media group on their sales floor, selling ad space. Mm-hmm. And that was great fun. And off the back of that, I found that when I then, because um, it, it was interesting, I had another job working for a, a direct marketing company that was more sort of in the response handling fulfillment um, side of things. And through that, I met uh, Chris Lumsden and, and um, uh, Keith, what's Keith's last cast? Terrible, forgot his name. Keith, Keith and Chris, anyway, who ran Good Creative. Chris Lumsden still runs it today. And they'd just started. I think they'd come out of nine, um, 999 Design. Okay. And uh, they were showing me this beautiful work. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. So what is this, this is design, is it? And I'm like, yeah, no, it's design, design. Because I you know, only knew sort of advertising and PR and media, obviously, because we'd had media agency clients at the Independent. Um, and then so I started just doing a bit of research and I found all these design agencies. So I started just applying for them and then I got, I got the job. And what I found is that typically in design at that time, apart from the agency principles, there wasn't an awful lot of selling going on. Mm. It was all quite sort of, you know, look at our wonderful work and our credentials. And, and, and Yeah, and, and you know, you, you won work off the back of doing great work and winning awards and yeah. profile and, and all that sort of stuff. And I remember going to a number of design seminars, actually, where the principals of some design agencies were like, yeah, no, we don't, we don't pitch, we don't sell, we don't do anything like that, you know. Mm. And I think, oh, this is a gift, actually, because I do, I like selling. And, right, right. Yeah, and, and it was great. And actually, the other benefit of it was that you know, joining Elmwood um, and then and then Tabern meant that I've always worked very closely with the MD or the the principal, mm-hmm. and as a result of that, just that learning from osmosis that you get, you get to be privy to conversations that you wouldn't get if you worked in another area of the agency, and so that that really helped stand me in good stead. So I've always valued the opportunity to have those internal relationships. I've always enjoyed the thrill of the chase. Um, at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I love people. I, you know, I'm, I'm a people person. I, think, I mean, I, I sound a bit of a dick saying that, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, you, know, but you know what I mean? I enjoy meeting new people. Yeah, yeah. And, and so that's a great, it's a great thing to have in a new business role. So it never feels daunting walking into a room and mm. you know people you don't know and saying hi, I'm Richard, and mm. finding out about them. And that, that was something that I didn't that didn't come natural to me. I, I was never 
yeah. like in a salesperson, um, or, or even what, what is a salesperson, you know? Well, <laughs> but for, for me, it was, yeah. I got past the blocker and business partner Phil said to me, you're not selling, Darren. You're sharing a secret about how you can help people, right? Because for me, I always want yeah. to help people and that's why I got to tech. Long story, but as a kid, yeah. I'd be fixing computers for family members and, it's, and, and getting a kick out of that. Being yeah. like, being as, oh no, Darren, go to Darren, he'll sort it out for you. And then I went to uni, I was still good at that. And all we do now is we help businesses. Like why, if they want to scale or solve a problem, that's what, that's what we do. Totally. So Phil was like, think of it like that. Yeah. You're just helping them. Yeah. Like you're not going to sell them something they don't need. He's, he's, he's dead right, I completely agree with that. And, and I mean, I, I'd almost sort of build on that point with two things. I mean, the, the, the first one is that, that we should never be persuading someone to do something you're always facilitating. Mm -hmm. And and actually I've always seen myself, and again without sounding like a dick, as as a <laughs> as a as a fixer. Yeah. yeah. So so if I can't help Not a mafia fixer. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just yeah. Chuck the burner away. Yeah, yeah you're gonna send this yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so so, so it, you know, like if I can't help or if someone within Tabor can't help, I know that through me and our network I'll, we'll know someone who can help, mm -hmm. and that and that's that sort of situation. So it, it sort of helps you be, you, you know, sort of quite quite trusted almost in that in that sort of situation. So I quite like, you know, I like I like that side of things. And so, you know, when you, I mean, I've been lucky to 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 be part of some some great businesses that have done some great work. And when you believe in the quality of the work and the caliber of the people that you have in the business, mm. it makes selling easy because you know that you're going to add value mm -hmm. and you know ultimately you know i want to I want to help people that you know that's what that's what motivates me is is that ability to to help and, and i think it's the, it's the impact of that as well if you got yeah. any kind of um if i would say to you what's the biggest impact you've made for a client is there, is there something that pops in your head straight away and go okay it was this one time or, or yeah i mean well i mean i think i think it it's a, it's a it's a great it's a great question because I mean like over the years we've we've won you know sort of design effectiveness awards um, when we were more positioned as a as a design agency um, and and so we've we've done you know we've we've worked with a number of a number of brands that that have affected you know some some quite significant results um, I think you know lately. The, the stuff that we found very motivating is, uh, is, is, is the impact that you can have over the longer term. So, you know, one of our, one of our, our key clients and, and strongest client relationships is, is with, with Bojin, the guys at Bojin. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we started working with them when they'd uh, just bought what became the Black Wolf Brewery, which they've since sold to concentrate on their gin business. Um, and having that relationship and the evolution of that relationship over the last seven or eight years, I think it was traditional Scottish ales. So that the holding company was VC2 Brands and they had traditional Scottish ales and they had like Stevie's Vodka and they had Bo Gin. Um, but they weren't paying any attention to Bo Gin. And then when that craft gin explosion started to happen, um, Carlo, who's you know had a lifetime experience in the trade, um, he's an amazingly creative guy. Um, he he 
saw uh, opportunities to introduce flavoured gin. Mm-hmm. And then again, just the work that we'd done with Andrew Graham and Carlo, the three guys that, that own the business, was to help them, I guess, think a bit differently about gin. So, you know, looking at the category generically, it's all about, you know, sort of botanicals and, and those sort of provenance stories. Whereas Bojin, which is a very, very good gin in its own right, it's it's core Scottish expressions, won a, a load of awards. Mm-hmm. But, it, it you know, they, they, they experiment with flavour and they do these wonderful flavours. Um, uh, raspberry and mint and, and violet was the main one, actually, that... that created the platform for success but the great thing about them was that they they trusted us um, with you know pretty significant amount of money for them as as a company you know and and bearing in mind they're not they're not Heineken um, you know our our biggest client by name and and fee income Um, but they they spend serious amount of money with us and um, you know we've we believe we've we've delivered that um, for them in terms of you know, help. I mean, we we can't take responsibility for their their success because there's there's lots of factors that have led to them getting the trade listings that they've had and um, driving the sales volumes that they have mm-hmm. um, in the um, in the on trade as well. Um, but I know that the strength of the creative work that we've done has helped them to to build the brand, which has given them the platform to that that success. And what's more, it's just it's a great relationship because we, we you know, they're, they're business owners in the way that, that we're business owners, and so, you know, there's a there's a there's a an empathy and there's a, a deep a deep connection on that on that front. You yeah. know, they're, they're great guys, great to great fun to be around, great to work with, and they've put a lot of trust and faith in us. It's, it's almost like when you're when you're hiring for, 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 for a new member of the staff, you want some you know a, a, a well performing you know member of staff or, or, or a customer, but also that trust. Yeah. Over time, you know, do you, are they are they good people? Do you want to work yeah, with them? Because abs- then you'll get the best out of you and for them. Right? Abs- absolutely, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you know, sort of, we've 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 had relationships in the past where um, there, there there hasn't been that. You know, it's just it's just been a bit difficult. You know, it, it's there's always a um, a query around an invoice. Um, there's late payments. Um, you know, there's a sort of meaningless subjective feedback about the work. And and you just tell that 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 relationship isn't really going to flourish, mm-hmm. and so so you're absolutely right. That the, the, lots the, of friction. Yeah. Totally, yeah. And, and I mean, we're lucky. We've got some wonderful, wonderful clients. Um, GWF Process Solutions. So they're they're a, they're a, an engineering company in, in Glasgow. And again, we we know the, the the directors, the owners there really well. We've got a wonderful relationship with them. They put a lot of trust and faith in us over the years. And I think again, we've we've repaid that in terms of. Quality of their work, they, they punch well above their weight given the size of their, their you know, relative size in, in numeric terms. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're able to attract and retain top talent. They're able to win massive contracts with big blue chips, and, and they're just they're just great guys, really really good guys. And the same, you know, McEnroe and Wood, a, a private client um, investment manager in, in Haddington with over two and a half billion of assets under administration. Um, you know, brilliant brilliant business that has put a lot of faith in us over the years mm-hmm. to to do them. And then, you know, by that same token, we then got likes of Heineken and, and Princes, who we've worked for forever, actually. And while the relationship is more with, um, you know, uh, uh, Princes terms, it's, it's the sort of um, marketing director and other other people within the marketing team. They've got a big, big marketing team. Mm-hmm. Um, Heineken again, it's it's sort of uh, 
specific relationships within a much bigger organization. But those relationships are really, really strong um, and, um, you know, in, in incredibly uh, grateful to them for the trust and the faith that they place in us, but equally very confident in the value that we bring to them and mm -hmm. the longevity of, of the quality of the work that we, we deliver. I mean, we, you know, our team in Glasgow that's specifically responsible for those two accounts are just, they're, they're amazing. They're, they're among the best in, in the country at what they do. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, uh, again, it's back to that point when you have confidence in the product. Yeah, yeah. It, it makes it so much easier to, to, to sell it. Yeah, and it's part of the vision how much how much impact you make with your clients as well. A lot of people might think, okay, you make an impact that your client maybe earns more revenue or makes more profit. But if you if you start filtering down to, okay, well, what does that mean for them? Okay, well, they get to make yeah. uh, new hires, bigger teams, more people getting the right sort of careers, more opportunities are opened up totally. through the work that you can do with your client. It, it's not yeah. it's not just cold hard cash relationship. Yeah. It's their success yeah, I mean, helps all the people in their organisation. And it also helps all the people in your organisation as well. Right? Totally, no, to totally. I mean, we, we we talk about you know from from the kind of uh, you know from the, the brand and, and creative and campaign side of the business. It's two things. It's about changing the way that people think about a brand, or it's about helping that brand sell more products or services. And then in terms of the packaging technical business that we have in in Glasgow, it, it's very much about quality and accuracy and efficiencies and. Um, creating value that way um, just through the, the expertise of, of, of the team and, and their knowledge of um, artwork and, and print production and, and so forth. So, um, you know, it feels, it feels really good to be able to articulate that value in, yeah. in such a sort of seemingly simple way. Yeah. Um, delivering it is not, you know, not always as easy, but, but yeah. I know that in the right circumstances with the right client relationships, We've got the, the talent and the experience and the expertise to, to do that. Yeah. Massively increasing the chances of, of it being successful totally. yeah, and lowering the risk, right? If it, you know, totally. I've yeah. seen so many clients try and take it on themselves, you know, hire a few of these different sorts of people. Yeah. And yeah, then they yeah, still yeah. got the overhead of managing them and making them accountable. It's something they're not, it's yeah. not their thing, right? Yeah, it's, definitely. It's yeah. Something to avoid, at least in my experience. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I see in that film that's trying to do exactly the same in yeah. other areas. But um, okay. Uh, Let's see, for everyone that's, that's listening or, or, or watching along, what would be the trigger point for them to think, okay, I should talk to Tabor? What, what, oh, would, wow. what would be going on? What problems would they see? Yeah, well, I mean, I think it's exactly that. You know, just if, if, if they want to change the way that key audiences think about their, their brand, then absolutely talk to us. Um, equally, if they're wanting to sell more products or services, you know, Please come and come and chat to us. Fantastic. Sounds good. Yeah. Oh, I'll be in touch. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good, mate. Definitely. Good. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, thanks very much, Richard, for, for, for being on the, no, thank uh, you. On the podcast. It's yeah. been great having a chat. Oh, it's been no, it's been a, it's been good. I've really enjoyed it. Yeah, fascinating to to hear more about what you guys are doing. I mean, I, I love what you guys do. I think it's a brilliant proposition and two two very talented and capable guys at the helm. So well, thanks very much. I'll, I'll let them know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs>